Hello and welcome back to ESPN Scrum Reset for another week. It's Sam Bruce in the chair. Joined as ever by Christy Doran, uh, mate. Uh, I hope you're well on this, uh, let's call it a slaptacular Monday, uh, Oscars Day. Um, and before we get to, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the laws today, but I want to get your opinion on Will Smith. Um, for me, high force, direct contact to the head. Uh, that's a straight red and that's got to be six weeks for Will. Wasn't quite sure where you're going with that, um, but very much predictable, really, in the end. I should have seen that coming from a mile away. Perhaps about, I reckon I've, my reaction time is similar to, um, to, to Chris Rock's there. I, I didn't see it coming. I'm a little bit starstruck, and the words aren't quite flowing either. But um, yeah, interesting, uh, interesting Monday, interesting weekend of rugby. And uh, you know, we, we, we're getting to that stage where you're six weeks in and you're starting to really work out a little bit about each team, each team's identities, who's playing well, who's not, who's pushing their case for Wallaby selection. Um, and Michael Hoop is back as well. So that's, you know, put into the calendar. So a lot of interesting things happening at the moment. Um, good to talk more rugby than uh, pop culture, though, for mine. Yes, I think we can park uh, the Oscars right there. They'll be uh, ripping into a few uh, parties and no doubt there'll be a few stories uh, shared about William Smith moving forward. Um, mate, let's dig into what was uh, round six. Um, kicked off, of course, with uh, with a history maker, really, with uh, Moana Pacifica um, getting a, a golden point win over the Hurricanes there in Auckland. Um, history making on a number of fronts, I guess. The first golden point game in in Super Rugby Pacific, Moana Pacifica's first win. Um, I certainly didn't think they were going to get it, um, but they turned up at uh, Mount Smart with a hell of a lot of energy, enthusiasm, um, a fair bit of inaccuracy around the breakdown, you would have to say, and, and probably fortunate um, to avoid uh, potentially a couple more guys not going to the bin at times. Um, but great for the competition for them to get up and get underway. Oh, we saw how much of a lift Super Rugby got a few weeks back when Fiji got their first victory and they've pushed and pushed and got close on another couple of occasions. But we saw from an Australian perspective um, that the overall competition gets a little bit more credibility about it. Um, you, you see a rise in performance, confidence, a belief from, from Fiji. And I expect the same thing from Moana Pacifica. They're clearly a close-knit team built on culture built on that kind of identity, the island identity, um, religion, faith, uh, and all something like a victory does is just that huge. Big for Sikopi Kepu, big for Christian Leleofano. The Hurricanes will be thinking, oh, that really hurts because they didn't turn up. And if you're not quite there, particularly on the New Zealand side of the draw, you're, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot there, aren't you? Because, you know, we, we know that it is a slightly lopsided competition at the moment. We're seeing the Highlanders really struggle. You know, if they're in this Australian side of the competition, they probably have won four from six at a bare minimum. Uh, they're really struggling. The Hurricanes dropped one there. That's a massive result for a team like the Waratahs who are going to be pushing for those. And we, we spoke about it in the first, second week of the pod, pushing for that those positions around nine, eight, seven, and six. So a, a big one and a big list, a big missed opportunity, but, but great for Moana Pacifica. Absolutely. A real slip up there from the Canes and uh, you probably got a feel for them a little bit. Uh, having done the COVID dance, like all the other New Zealand teams, um, I think I heard um, coach say that at one stage uh, he, uh, he had three teams 
uh, on his spreadsheet ready to roll out pending um, who was fit and who was not. So difficult times. Um, and of course, Mona Pacifica, I've got a backup tomorrow. We're recording this on Monday night. So on Tuesday afternoon, Aussie time, Tuesday evening across there in, in Auckland um, to face the Blues and then face the Blues again on Saturday. So this is about to enter a really testing, interesting little period for, for all the New Zealand franchises, aren't we? It's a bit of like a British and Irish Lions series, except you don't mm. have 30 of the best players in the world. You've <laughs> unfortunately got, you know, thrown these guys together and they're a Cadbury all sorts uh, of selection. Huge, gigantic effort. If if they can get through these next couple of weeks, that'll be amazing. You know, depth injuries, they're the sorts of things that, you know, the fitness of these players is going to test them. But you never know, playing a couple of games in a row, if they do manage to get out the other side of it, it might actually help their continuity by yep. playing together a number of times in, in, in quick succession. You don't often see it in rugby. They're going to be playing three games in a week. That is a, that's that's huge. It's unprecedented. It's but it's but it's an opportunity for them. So fingers crossed they stay healthy and on the park. Before we get to the big talking point of the weekend, mate, of course, um, the high tackles and the reaction to yeah. that, which has been um, far and wide. And uh, if you're on social media, you will have seen a, a number of uh, differing takes and even from the coaches themselves. But um, great also to see the Rebels get their first win of the year um, set up in the, the first half there. Um, it finally looks like they've started to settle into this game plan that um, that Kevin Foote uh, has been trying to, to overhaul down there in, in Melbourne. There was a little bit more fluency to what they were doing um, and just uh, just great to see because, uh, you know, with Super Round coming up down there in Melbourne, which I think is going to be a fantastic weekend, um, they really needed to get on the board before then. Uh, so great to see it on Friday night uh, there over the Drua. Yeah, and you're right. It's big for the Rebels in Melbourne City and, and rugby in the city because uh, look, the papers aren't down there. You know, you, you don't read about rugby in, in Melbourne. And so... The, the super round there is going to have to be word of mouth. It's going to have to be a lot of people traveling from interstate, curious to see so many games of rugby in, in a few days. Um, I, I, I'm not completely surprised that the Rebels managed to win that one, and, and I actually tipped them, but so we, saw, we saw enough the week before against the Waratahs just to go, these guys are starting to make a little bit of progress. Yep. Um, but it's amazing what happens when you get a few guys with test experience back you know, you think about the Andrew Kellaways and those sorts of players who just add a bit of polish and that's what they'd really been missing for quite some time, you know. Um, we've spoken about Carter Gordon and should he have been there, should he not have been there, but he's going to be there, um, you know, a little bit more going forward, you imagine. Um, but hugely important for the Rebels and Kevin Foote. Um, what did you see that, that gives you confidence that they might be able to back that up, Sam? Mate, uh, it's a good question. Um, just a little bit more, I guess, um, commitment and an understanding of, of how they're trying to play the game and play the game in the right areas. Uh, I mean, the last few weeks, and it was even thinking back to last year when when looking at the Rebels, sorry, um, some of the decision-making at times uh, just kind of beggars belief. Uh, it just feels like they've got a little bit more of a handle on on the game itself and trying to play in the right areas and and not get themselves, you know, not kick away ball that they should be holding and and running away, running ball that they should be kicking, um, which, uh, you know, when things aren't going your way, uh, it puts a little bit more pressure and a little bit more, 
you know, uh, I guess uh, you feel the need to get those decisions right. Um, and, uh, you know, now the, the, monkey comes, the monkey comes off their back, back. Sorry, I'll get there in the end. Um, and I think that you'll see them settle into, you know, uh, this structure of Kevin Foots a whole lot better now. Now, I don't imagine they're going to go on and, and have multiple, you know, uh, more victories for the rest of the year. I just don't see it happening. But um, I think they are going to continue to improve, um, whether that's good enough to, um, to get on the and scrape into the finals there. I'm not so sure, but um, as we said, yeah, look, uh, imperative that they got the win or got a win before Super Round, and um, I'm sure, uh, you know, that might inspire a few more Rebels fans to get along that weekend because there wasn't a hell of a lot there no. um, on Friday night. And, of course, the AFL is back, and there was a bloke named Buddy kicking uh, a few goals up in, in Sydney, which you might have seen also on on social media if you're listening to this one outside of Australia. Uh, it's been a, the uh, the only thing people have been talking about here sporting-wise the last few days. So, uh, yeah, big ups to the Rebels for getting on the board. Uh, let's go to Perth, mate. Um, uh, kind of a wild game, this one, really, wasn't it, in yeah. the end? Uh, Brumby skipped out to a nice little lead and, and looked, um, you know, out of the game in hand. And then, of course, we, we go to the moment of the match where um, Tom Banks comes across in cover um, trying to tackle... Well, I'm not even sure what he was trying to do. He was trying to get across and, and make some kind of challenge on, on Tony Pulu, who'd run onto a nice little uh, kick from the fullback, uh, the force fullback, Strawn. Um, he just got this one wrong, didn't he? I mean, um, he was coming across at high speed. Uh, I didn't really see that there was too much of a, uh, a movement back inside from, from Pulu at all. Um, no drop in body height from Tom Banks. Um, and it was a pretty sickening clash, really. There's no other way to... To put it and the pictures are all out there on, on social media um, and of course the videos around um, the banks probably came off far worse for wear than than Pulu did um, he was off by the time that uh, Angus Gardner had uh, correctly given him the red card but 100% the right decision from Gus and the way he handled that situation I thought reflected why he's regarded as one of the game's best referees right now um, now, I mean, I, I know you and I are united on this. We've discussed it at length in recent times. Um, again, last week with, with Charlie Morgan around Charlie Yule's uh, red card there against Ireland during the Six Nations, the England lock, um, Rob Valentini last year against Wales. This is the exact tr- kind of uh, tackle that World Rugby are trying to get out of the game. And, and are we still just a little bit slow to get on the same page with everyone um, else in the world? Um, I think Australia is coming around, but I'll just go back to the Moana Pacifica game as well and some of the commentary around Levi Almoor's hit uh, on Wes Goose and um, Hus and the, the Hurricanes winger. Um, it doesn't feel like that message is getting through um, across various stakeholders, players, coaches, supporters in this part of the world. But the Banks decision, 100% correct. Yeah, I, I agree. Um it's it's interesting. You know, oh, the debate probably kind of stems from the commentary a little bit, and, and and Paul Carly touched upon it on the weekend. He didn't name names, but you, you listen to the commentary there around Tom Banks and and Drew Mitchell, Andrew Swain, people that we know very very well. You know, almost you know they're surprised when 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 a red card is forthcoming or there's discussion around this. The TMO is asked to check check, but it's, it's, you know, the surprise shouldn't be from the, the, the commentators. The surprise should perhaps be from Tom Banks or the Brumbies, who in that case, you know, at times you have a do have a split second. Now, Tom Banks has had more than a split second there to react. So there's no real excuses. The commentary around 
should he have, you know, he's going for the ball because, you know, it's a matter of metres out. So how do you dislodge it? You have to go high. Well, you can probably, rather than just putting your your body and making a, a ball and all shot between, you know, someone's chest and chest, you've got to go out there and, and, and at the very least attempt to wrap, show that you're trying to wrap because, you know, it's 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 it shouldn't be surprising for the commentators to be pointing this out. You know, they've got a um, uh, a care of duty here to inform the public around why this is a red card. Morgan Terranui was bang on there with his commentary. Was there any mitigation? Absolutely, Tony Pulu does slightly step off of his right, but you can't tell me that 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 tiny little step where the angle would have only been very slight at that time influences Tom Banks and his body height. It's not low enough. Um, now, it looks like he's got a, a fractured jaw, so he'll be out for quite a while. With that, you'd think at least six weeks, he probably would have been given a six-week suspension, which might have been reduced down to three, given his, yeah. his, his history. Um, but not surprising at all. It, I thought it was pretty well handled. Um, Dane Zander as well, copying a red card. A similar sort of thing where I think it was Harry Wilson who initially made the uh, contact um, and, and Xander has to make a decision. Does he go high or does he go low? Well, if there's already a book, um, a, a defender there who's pretty much around the height of the ball um, towards the chest, you've got to go low. And this just comes down to, I think, experience, but play is really having it drummed and reinforced that if there's a, a second tackler there, they've got to go low because it's such a small, small area that you're targeting. Um, but we're going to see this more and more happen. And and we've seen it in, in the north. It's a, it's a straightaway, it's a red card. We're seeing more consistency down the south. We need to get, we need to, um, the commentators to, to teach listeners why it's dangerous for a defender to tackle high because it's, it's, it's quite obvious now and it has been for three or four years what World Rugby is trying, trying to achieve when it comes to concussion. Yeah, education, mate. You, you're spot on. And, and, and two points, what you were saying there around covering tackles and, and guys coming across. I mean, Tom Banks, one of the fastest guys in Super Rugby Pacific, you would say, probably top top five without too much worry around that. Um, but there's at no stage of him coming across there. And perhaps, you know, he, he forgets, he might forget how, how quick he really is at times. And, and the amount of space that he uh, he can cover in a short distance of time, and and we've got to give these guys, um, you know, a bit of leeway is the wrong word, but um, it's uh, it's an understanding that yeah, they are still trying to go through this process of of changing their behaviours, and and it's so good that we're having it now and not this time next year. And the hope, certainly, you know, from everyone in the game is that we're seeing these kind of tackles. Um, in uh, and far fewer occurrences um, in what will be a World Cup year because, um, I mean, no one wants to see World Cup games, uh, I'm not going to use the word ruined, but affected by um, cards at, uh, at any level, uh, yeah. whether they be, you know, foul play, cynical footy. We want 15 on 15 as, as much as we can possibly get it, but the nature of the game is that uh, at times that's not going to happen. Um, on the covering angle, um, I just want to say one of the great uh, covering tackles of all time who came in under the ball, Georgie George Gregan, Gregan. Uh, 94 on Jeff Wilson, forces the ball loose. So it it's can funny, be done. It's and, it, can, it can be, but you, 
we, we saw an example on the weekend, Jordan Bataille. Yep. I, I, I found it a little bit odds, a couple of people questioning tackle technique there on social media. But, you know, he's he's managed to tackle Mark Noangani to Nasi miles out, who did a remarkable effort trying to plant the ball down. And, yes, he was um, slightly different where Pulu was more upright, perhaps wasn't as close to goal, wasn't horizontal there. But... That that is probably what the the, the textbook tackle has to be, um, knowing that you run the risk of putting yourself in danger, um, both from a, uh, a physical perspective, but from the the law as well. So, yeah, you're you're bang on there with George Gregan. Uh, I'll put this one to you, mate. Uh, I guess in the last, um, what are we going back? Let's talk the 2011 World Cup when the Irish had so much success around holding the Wallabies up in that uh, pool game and at Eden Park and there was I guess a bit of a renewed focus against some teams who were perhaps um, susceptible to this kind of ball carry and and uh, getting defenders to to go in that little bit higher in the hope of of holding them up um, do you see that as playing any part in I don't want to say a proliferation of these kinds of tackles but um, maybe because we're only seeing it really clamped down on in this fashion in the last six to 12 months but um, does there need to be any I guess change in um coaching uh is it a technique thing is it a is it a game plan thing i mean coaches are you know they they they're always going to um instruct their guys to to target the ball when it's available um but is that playing into this do you think well we know that we know that if you don't tackle high you run the risk of offloading you run the risk of of not forcing an error um you run the risk of not holding them up for sure so yeah, it, it's 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 such a fine balance, and it will continue to be a fine balance. Um, I think for I can't see a change. I know that people like Drew Mitchell will talk about there's going to be head on head contacts in a game of rugby, but it's a rugby incident. He, he caught it on the weekend, but you know, coaches, yes, they're, they're they're often telling their players to tackle in that way, but you've got to pick and choose, don't you? And you know those sorts of moments. They're they're the ones that I think you can. A Tom Banks covering tackle, you can afford not to try to wrap up the ball. Yep. Always, I think. Um, so yeah, it, it's hard to it's hard to say. It's hard to like that, you know that 2011 example of Ireland. There was probably a couple of other reasons why they lost too. But but the, the Wallabies that being. Um, but it's, it's, it also has significant ramifications now for Tom Banks, the fullback jersey, uh, from a test perspective. If he's out of the game now for three to six weeks, um, potentially longer, um, you know, that, that really puts his place up against England uh, in, in doubt. You've got to think that with Jordi Pattaya showing some, some promising touches and moments, um, Jock Campbell there, thereabouts, and... Reese Hodge playing multiple games, fullback. He's not been in brilliant form, but he's a person that's going to be in that squad, as well as currently Bill coming back down. There's a there's a real logjam there. No one necessarily completely standing out there for the moment, but you don't want to leave the door open, do you? Not at all. No, no, you're you're exactly right, mate. And you, coming back with an injury like that, it would take a, a couple of weeks to, I guess, um, you know, get a little bit of confidence back. Um, so it's going to be an intriguing uh, little script to, to watch as we, you know, what are we away from now? Just a touch over. Um, we're under probably four months now um, until that first test is played. So, um, and one, one final point on that, 
Tom Banks is at an interesting moment of his career where he's moving to his mid to late twenties. He, uh, whether or not where his contract where it goes with the Brumbies, I believe he's on a pretty good wicket at the moment because a lot of his contract was incentive based, and with Israel Folau's sorry departure, it's meant that Tom Banks has become and and Dane Haylett Petty has gone. It's meant that Tom Banks has become a a regular Wallabies fifteen when. Three years ago, he wasn't necessarily thought as a, as a well of his regular 15. So what Rugby Australia do there, um, does he get a top-up? I reckon Tom Banks could command a lot of money in Japan where it's more free-flowing. Yep. Um, for a speedy outside back so like, like Tom Banks, he'll command top dollar. Does he stay in Australian rugby? I'm not sure. Before we wrap up the, I guess, this little laws chat, which was, was always going to be the focus tonight, mate, um, what then, uh, Dan McKellar, uh, I guess, um, calls for a uh, an orange card, which would be this idea of, um, you know, basically a, a similarly 20-minute kind of style red card as we've got now and the, for the, uh, the incident to be reviewed at a later date. Now, the more I hear, the more I talk to people, at Rugby Australia around this one, um, I just don't see that this red card um, replacement, orange card, whatever you want to call it, um, which I personally am a big fan of, um, I don't ever see it seeing the light of day across the game completely. I don't know what your thoughts are. I think there's very stern opposition to it up in the Northern Hemisphere and, and particularly given the reviews that came out of, you know, the England-Island game, which were, oh, this game was never spoiled. Um uh, and, and you know what, for the whole uh, 80 minutes, they were probably right, but England were never going to win that game either. Um, uh, it might not have been spoiled, but um, there was only ever going to be one winner. Um, so, mate, I, I don't know where you sit on that one, um, whether you think it's a chance in the future post this next World Cup, um, but I, yeah, I've got serious doubts I'll ever see the light of day across the game. Across the game. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I, there's just so much opposition from the North. That's where the... The, the power is at the moment. Um, uh, there, there's, a, there's a bit of experimentation down south and the experimentation is because in large part rugby is not necessarily drawing the fans, the interaction from fans that, that they hope. So how do you try to create a bit of momentum, a bit of change, a bit of hype, some new headlines? You do introduce some of these. Now, I think it's a good, I think it's a good rule, but... No, for world rugby as well to then to implement something like that where they go, mm, we're trying to completely uh, reduce to uh, uh, you know concussion and head trauma to have a twenty minute suspension or twenty minute punishment on field is the severity there? I'm not so sure, but the other thing that rugby faces and the issue down south here and the reason why I think the twenty minute car particularly is is a good one. And it will always, whilst Test Rugby doesn't change to that, um, it'll struggle with fans, the casual observer who tunes in, who, who goes, hang on, how's this a red card? Australia, Australia fundamentally has an issue because there's so many codes and so many different sports. And, and, and that is, you know, you look at Rugby League and you look at some of the incidents there that get glossed over on a week-in, week-out business uh, way and, and you rugby fans are left staggered by how is this not a red card in, in rugby league in the NRL? We, you know, classic example on the weekend with the, the Melbourne Storm forward. Um, that would be a red card. Yep. 
that'd be a, a red card straight away. But rugby league doesn't want that. And how you can, you know, the, all those fans that, that that do watch test matches, they turn away because they see a bloke who gets red carded and they see the game being destroyed. So it's a really fine balance. It's a difficult one going forward. Yeah, well, the reaction to uh, Marika Corbett's uh, red there in the final test um, in Brisbane against France last year, a game that um, had a few extra eyeballs because it yeah. was on the main channel on Channel 9. Um and uh, rather than Jem and the, the blow-ups around that. Um, and, and that was one of the instances where the red card replacement wasn't in play. Um, the Wallabies did well to go on and, and win that one narrowly at the finish, but um, would have been a different game with, with him on. Um, and, of course, that rule, that sorry, that law came back in for the rugby championship. And I wonder, is there is this chopping and changing between comps um, and various test series, mate? Is this doing... Um, the Sanzar nations uh, any good? Should they just say, look, throw it away and and embrace um, the straight red card and that's it? It's a good question. Um, it's not one that I'd necessarily thought of. No, I, I think I think in Australia at the moment, New Zealand, I think it's important, particularly in Australia, that that games are, are, are competitive, that you don't have blowouts, that you don't have one-sided matches. I think that there is enough of a... Um, deterrent um, for for a red card, uh, the loss of someone for 20 minutes. We saw it on the weekend, you know, the Western Force comes steamrolling back against the Brumbies. We saw the Reds should have been put away on a couple of instant, uh, occasions there by the Waratahs. When they went down to 13, they weren't. But what it, what it had was, you know, for 20 minutes, a, a team... You know, throw punches, not all of them landed, but it was exciting, good rugby. Um, and, and and the Reds were the, the better team, really. That's why they ended up winning that, the stronger depth that came in over the top. Um, for someone like, a, you know, like a Xander, who, you know, there was no real malice around that shot at all. You know, that's just a, an, an unfortunate event. You'll get a couple of weeks for it, you would think, but... Yeah, you know, I think it's. I think for the time and the place where it is, there's enough deterrent for red cards and and tackle technique to change down here. Yes, uh, plenty happening on, on that front, and uh, I don't think the chat's going to die down anytime soon. But um, we're going to move on to to something else now, mate. Um, some news today: uh, Western Force bringing back Simon Cron, uh, a guy who is um, really highly thought of in this part of the world. Has been over working with um, Steve Hansen at Toyota Verblitz, having, um, I guess, uh, been butchered out of a job uh, at the Waratahs, really. We all know how that went down with Rob Penny. Sorry, not Rob Penny, with um, Daryl yeah. Gibson being re-signed and, and then walking away a few months later. And we, You and I have discussed that uh, at length last year, so we won't go back yet, go back there. But uh, this is great news for Australian rugby and a, and a real coup, I guess, for the force because uh, in some ways they're still struggling I think Tim Sampson is a very good coach, and I think it's very clear to see how the Force play their game. It's not flashy. Um, it's very direct, but they perhaps lack, um, you know, the real class factor um, in their team and, and have, I guess, basically since those early years, um, the dreaded firepower days of, of the Western Force. And and do you think having Simon Cron back here that they might become a, a slightly more popular destination to be? We saw Isaac Rodder choose the Force over the Waratahs, but... He's probably only one. Um, is this going to see, you know, a flood of stars from other parts head head to the West or potentially Simon get some guys back who are overseas that are 
that are still, you know, high uh, high quality players. Um, how, how do you see this appointment? Oh, I, you know, it's it's a harsh, it's a brutal um, decision. I think, you know, I think Tim Sampson will feel pretty disappointed. You know, he's been there for a while. He hasn't necessarily had it easy. He's brought them back into Super Rugby. Hard to from a um, from a contract perspective, from a list management perspective, to entice players to give up their Wallaby stream basically during the the global rapid rugby days to then parachute it back into Super Rugby in 2020 when you still haven't had access to everyone else, and then 2021 you're still predominantly based on the Eastern Seaboard because of COVID. Within six weeks, it's announced. Um, by the end of last year, discussions were starting to be had. Conversations were being had around Simon Cron. This is a Tony Lewis appointment, really. Um, you know, the New Zealand CEO yes, yep. who, uh, who's landed at the Western Force in the last you know, 12 months or so and has made a couple of decisions, uh, and one of which is Simon Cron. Now, to your question, uh, is he going to be able to attract players? I think he has a better chance of attracting players than Tim Sampson. You know, from an international perspective, people will ask the question, who is Tim Sampson? I, I wouldn't think too many people would know. Who is Simon Cron? Well, he's the nephew of Mike Cron. He's just worked with Steve Hansen. He had Kieran Reid and Michael Hooper in his back row. Uh, I think he'll be able to have a much better chance of attracting players than Tim Sampson. I think Simon Cron's a good coach, a good, young, impressive coach. He speaks, the, he talks the talk, but I think in many ways he backs it up. You know, his analysis is first class. We've seen that firsthand when he's coming for previous podcasts at Fox. Um, he's well known. He gets around the traps. He's got a, a shoot shield background like Darren Coleman. He knows the system. Really important, you know. We're speaking to him this afternoon. He said, "Oh, I've already had text messages and phone calls from coaches and players around the Shoot Shield and around New South Wales rugby that want to be able to tap into him before he heads over to to the West." I think he'll be able to um, to help the Western Force build on what Tim Sampson has done. Whether or not he brings an entire new coaching structure, I'm not sure. There's going to be some changes, Fergus Lee Warner leaving, um, you know, clearly he doesn't see himself ever playing for the Wallabies, has decided, oh, I'll, I'll go and make some coin overseas and, and experience something, something else. So that's completely fair. And, and so there's going to be some squad changes yeah, that, that he'll have to um, to look at as well. But I think it's a, it's a reasonable appointment. It's an ambitious appointment. It's one that says, we're not happy with just being run of the mill in the middle of the pack. We're out here to make finals regularly and push into semifinals and finals and challenge for silverware. Yeah, it's a good point, mate. Ambitious, a really nice word, I think, to describe the, the situation where the force want to get to. Um, they've done a job and got um, one of the England tests there by all reports. I think that's um, due to be announced in the coming weeks. They're going to have the first test over there before we head to Brisbane and, and down to Sydney against England. Um we know Twiggy Forrest, he's a put-your-money-where-your-mouth-is kind of guy. Um, he's uh, virtually single-handedly kept this franchise alive when they were kicked out um, of Super Rugby there in 2017. Um, set up Global Rapid Rugby. Now, that was, you know, not everyone's cup of tea, clearly. And um, But to set up your own competition like that and, and to be able to get teams to come and play um, is really something. And now he's gone out um, and he's, uh, I guess he's in this, 
this real position of strength still with Rugby Australia slightly because, um, you know, without the force coming back in to Super AU there in 2020, there was probably no competition. Well, certainly not a competition that Fox Sports were going to pick up um, through just a sheer lack of games. But them coming back in, um, making the finals last year, finishing third in Super Rugby AU, I think things are trending in the right direction for them. And, and this is a point that, that is only going to foster that even further. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. And, you know, they've got some good young players there. You spoke earlier about them being structured and, and, and um, you know, building at the moment. I, I watched the weekend, the game on the weekend, and I thought, I'm not so sure about the appointment, I, I, the decision to play Ian Pryor still with Jake McIntyre. I think the two of them are too structured. There, there's not enough threat, particularly not at the base of the ruck. We know that what's Anton DuPont doing so well at the moment? He's challenging either side of the ruck. He's, he's getting out there. There's, there's not nearly enough running from Ian Pryor at the moment. When you've got someone like a Jake McIntyre there who um, is probably at times guilty from going laterally, um, you know, mix it up. Isaac Fines is someone who could challenge the ruck and, and maybe create space for Jake McIntyre and vice versa. We spoke about it in the last couple of weeks. So those sorts of things, I think Simon Cron will be more active, proactive around and sensing what, what challenges. And, you know, they're from conversations that Simon Cron will have on the golf course with Steve Hansen around, you know, what it might be that, um, that wins matches. Because you look across the, the global game at the moment, a lot, you know, a lot of attack comes from nine. You know, it's not always off 10 and it's probably more off nine than ever before. Uh, and DuPont is the clear example of that. But when the All Blacks are steamrolling through oppositions, it comes from Aaron Smith there at nine as well. You know, you, England at the moment don't look the threat that they might be with Ben Young's just box kicking, just passing one off. You know, so, um, you know, Jamison Gibson Park from Ireland at the moment, that, that, that threat from nine is so important. So, yeah, there's some of the things that I think that are holding back the, the force just at the moment that Cron will be all over. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one to look forward to next year. Um, before we wrap up, made a couple of points. Uh, Nations Championship, uh, who knows, you know, whether this is ever going to see the light of day, but a bit, a bit of an update from um, uh, Georgina Robinson and Ian Payton in the Herald last Friday, uh, virtually what seems to be ruling out or withdrawing the Six Nations and the Rugby Championship from the, the actual framework of this competition. And and still having the, I guess, this run for the title, um, what would be a, a maybe a bi-yearly um, title through the July and, and November test windows. Um, again, it's going to come down to probably whether the English and French clubs are happy to, to get this across the line and give up potentially another week there in the, in the November window to play a final. Um, I don't know. The longer this goes on, uh, the, the back and forth, again, it just feels like one that, you know, Probably not going to see the light of day for mine. Possibly, possibly, yeah. It, it seems like a, a reasonably happy medium, um, but you're right. It's there's a lot more water to go under this bridge at the moment because France particularly controls so much of it. We know the club country angst that Eddie Jones has in England. Um, it, it's it's not easy with the competitions with the different competition lengths at all. Um, I like the idea of the talk, whether or not it gets up, we'll see, because you want to see test matches. Uh, one of the, the great criticisms of cricket at the moment are pointless series, pointless matches, 
you know, why are some series three ODIs, some seven, some, you know, with one test and others with five T20s? No one cares and you lose interest. So how do you continue to create interest with rugby? That's a really important thing. How do you continue the development of, of the T2 and T3 nations particularly? Um, someone like in Italy last last weekend or a week and a half ago pulling off that, that famous win in Wales, that probably, and it was really interesting to see Razzy Erasmus uh, writing a, um, in a column over the weekend talking about the fact that that probably means that Italy is not going to be uh, relegated or demoted or dumped out, thrown out of, of the Six Nations. So South Africa's way of going to the north probably only happens if they have a seventh team, uh, a seventh nation. Um, so there's so much to iron out at the moment. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen just yet. You know, what happens with the, the private equity around that, with the, the mutual interests of the game, so a bit more to play, a uh, bit more water to go under the bridge, I think, on that front. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one to watch as well. Um, I think we can all see the merit in it uh, and certainly what it would do for cash traps unions uh, around the globe. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, oh, for sure. Well, I, I wanted to, you know, before we get away, there was a couple of moments, I think, on the games on the weekend and, and then really fascinated to see going forward Guys like Mark Nidawasi was, was superb on the weekend for the Waratahs. And, you know, like the, they, they look an attacking threat. He's a bloke that's got a lot about him, um, try scoring potential. And you just get the sense that the Waratahs will be stronger and potentially the Wallabies going forward when you have a player that has an X factor about him. And, and Marky Mark has certainly got that. He's got it in the air. And he's got, got it when the ball is in his hands. So one to watch out. He's my player to, just to continue to watch and to see how he develops. Um, but I also thought the other takeaway from the from the weekend was probably some of the list management, which was pleasing to see. You don't necessarily need to see every player who might be a first-choice player start. You know, you've got to be able to develop that squad. We saw the Brumbies do that. They managed to sneak home with that win on the weekend. Um, Ryan Lonigan gets lots of minutes there at nine. So those sorts of things, I think, were the big takeaways from, from the weekend of Super Rugby action. Yeah, there's no doubting uh, Mark Nwonga Nitawasi's uh, ability. I think um, for him, it's just reps. You know, we, we saw it um, limited the last couple of years, uh, debuted from memory over there in Christchurch pre-pandemic, which seems a, a whole uh, another lifetime ago now. Um, and it's kind of slipped back uh, down in the pecking order there at the moment behind Dylan Peach and... Um, and of course, Alex Newsom uh, there on the wing with uh, with Harrison playing at fullback at the moment. But um, for me, the big thing with Mark is uh, as those little decisions, and and they come with reps. Um, previously in the past, it's been that that offload after taking one of the the midfield bombs with with such skill and uh, ability, but then pushing the pass that hits the deck and and gets turned over. Um, but there's a lot, as you say, a lot to like about a guy who's that size can move like he does. Um, has good footwork, um, aerial ability, as I mentioned, um, and can finish, uh, which is, you know, while Geordie denied him there on the weekend, um, he still went pretty pretty bloody close to, to getting that ball down. So, uh, yeah, I think um, we, we're probably going to see more of him for the rest of the year. I reckon the most, you know, from a play that surprises you the most, that first 40 minutes that he showed surprised me the most in a pleasant, pleasing way. 
Um, it was a fantastic opening 40 there from, from Mark. Under the ball, a couple of decent kicks, good handling. Um, more of that from, from Mark and the Waratahs will be, you know, continue to improve. Before we wrap up uh, this week, mate, uh, Wallabies uh, camp is uh, is not too far, uh, coming up in, in early April. Um, something we didn't talk around last week, I guess some positions of perhaps um, concern and, and you've still probably got to say, Hooker is uh, is really it, isn't it? Yeah, hooker and fullback. They're, they're the two positions where you go, mm, not so sure about that. They're the, they're the positions you go, well, you know, you look at the the other ones, the other 12, 13, it seems like there's two deep in every position. Yep. In some cases, three. And that's a really pleasing thing for Australian rugby depth and stocks because they've now, all of them really, had two, three years minimum under their belts as opposed to one or two years which is what we saw, you know, of course, in the first and second year of Dave Rennie's tenure. So I think in that respect, Rennie and the coaching staff will be really pleased. But you're right, hooker and fullback has been the two positions where Rennie has been thinking, how am I going to solve this problem? At the moment, there's no clear answer. Um, probably particularly no one absolutely demanding the no. hooker jersey. Um, you know, the Reds... Uh, lost a couple, so they're down on stocks. We know that um, we know that NASA's throws have, have got a lot to work on. We know that the Brumbies flower firing is probably still at the moment got his nose in front, um, even though there's questions around form, fitness, uh, uh, but he's got that physicality that stands up at test level. And he's probably the only one quite there at that, at that, that moment. I think if you're picking a team tomorrow, You'd probably go find a, a maybe a Dave Parecki. Um, you know, Kaitutu's there, still fraction small, perhaps. Uh, Lockie Lonigan, uh, fraction small too. So, you know, you, you wish that Jordan Ulysses had that consistency about him and the ability to throw consistently because he's got so many areas of his game where you go, that's test football around you with his broad shoulders and with his scrummaging strength and over the ball, but there's just not nearly enough of that consistent 40, 60, 80 minutes of strength week in, week out. Yeah, Wallabies aren't going to be able to beat England uh, unless they come uh, and deliver and front up at, at set-piece time and, and line-out will be will be critical to that. I think the, the scrum's in better shape, but um, as you say, there's ongoing concern around guys who can hit their targets at line-out time consistently, um, and that's the challenge for these guys on the run, uh, particularly when the Kiwi sides arrive uh, for the back end of, of Super Rugby and, and, of course, Aussie sides going over to New Zealand as well. This is a real opportunity for someone to stand up and, and demand selection uh, to start again yeah. against England. Yeah, and the, the pleasing thing is, though, that at, at loose head and tight head prop, you know, Angus Bell, Tanila Tuba continue to improve, get better. The Scotty CEOs are still around. James Slipper is still doing very, very well. Indeed, Alan Alatoa's, the, you know, the, the even the Harry Johnson Holmes's. Um, uh, the back row continues to impress as well, like at six and eight. Sarah Uru is not even part of the Wallabies 40-person squad and, and very much could be. He's a guy that's now strung three games together, four games together that have been top-notch. Really interesting to see, interested to see what happens with Sarah Uru over the next two to three years? 
Yeah, uh, fascinating uh, back half, uh, or actually as we head to, I guess, the, the midway point of the season uh, in, in a couple of weeks' time, and it's going to be a fascinating finish when uh, both sides of the Tasman are united uh, once again. Uh, mate, uh, we've gone, I think, over as per usual. Um, but, um, yeah, great to uh, great to wrap up another week of, of rugby in this part of the world. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll do it all again in, uh, in seven days' time or so. Uh, you enjoy uh, round seven of Super Rugby. You too. Can't wait. Reds, Brumbies should be a cracker. And, of course, Michael Hooper back on Friday night for the Waratahs. Uh, can't wait. Uh, talk to you all again next week. If, as ever, if you've got any thoughts, um, questions, queries, hit us up on social media. Uh, we love uh, bringing this to you and, uh, and hope you're enjoying it. So uh, I'll be back next week uh, for another edition of ESPN Scrum Reset.